Hello and welcome to Fofop. Uh, the real episode will be along in a second, but I just wanted to mention that uh, Justin Hamilton, who is the guest on this episode, is playing at the Sit Down Comedy Club in Brisbane all this week. Uh, so if you want to check Juzzy out, check him out there. And I am doing some gigs uh, in Queensland as well on uh, Thursday night. Uh, I'll be in Bundaberg. Uh, my first gig's in Bundaberg for a long time. So if you're uh, in Bundaberg or the Bundaberg area, come and see the show with Lindsay Webb, um, a regular guest on this show. So we'll record some new episodes. Uh, while we're on the road on Friday night uh, I'm at Jupiter's on the Gold Coast with uh, Dave Thornton and Hannah Gadsby and Lindsay Webb and Damien Power and uh, Peter Hallier it's going to be a massive show so um, hopefully I'll be able to record something there as well but uh, people should come out and check that out it's going to be a a really cool show and if you're in Australia and you want to see uh, the special uh, that I did for Channel 7, which is all about the Just For Last Festival in Montreal. Uh, that is airing this Sunday night at 8.30 on Channel 7. Um, some of the best comedians in the world. Uh, Joan Rivers is on that. Sarah Silverman is on that. Uh, Jimmy Carr, Danny Boy, Arj Barker, Kitty Flanagan, Josh Thomas, Cal Wilson, uh, Rove McManus, uh, Sam Simmons, uh, a bunch of really, really funny people. And uh, we show some of my stand-up from some gigs I do around LA, some of my favourite gigs there, and also um, my gala set from Montreal, which we have spoken about on the podcast before. So you'll be able to see uh, a little bit of that as well, and you'll be able to see me trying to film a bunch of links for a documentary when I was very hungover or still drunk most of the time. Anyway, uh, here's uh, the new episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. The following episode of Fofop is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the barn and the holy toast. Hello, welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson, Justin Hamilton is here. Hello, Justin. Hello. I've just not left your house. <laughs> you haven't left my house. It's true. We've been able to bank some episodes. It's I've good. appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. That's I what have... I have to do, essentially, take people hostage for a week yeah. and this podcast will come out regularly. You you, you would be... Uh, I would I'll, do, put, I'll put all the press releases out. I'll cut out uh, like letters and numbers from magazines. Yeah. But having said that, I reckon you'd be in the top five... Uh, people that kidnap because i've had a pretty good time here like oh I've yeah had, no, i've had look, my own room it's i've got a very comfy bed oh yeah i look after my hostages oh you're, you're i really want good. them to have a good time it's uh look i used to waterboard them before the podcast right but that just didn't i didn't feel like i was getting the best results no they were exhausted yeah but uh, you know and no one wants to hear a podcast where they just tell us where despot leaders are <laughs> no <laughs> you'd be surprised at how little hits that gets you know the the people might say this is a bit of stockholm syndrome though what do you mean? Like maybe it has oh, been... Oh, that you've fallen in love with your captor? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I've just fallen in love with this whole place and I've just gone, well, you can go now. And it's like, why? Why would I leave? Oh my God, it's so cold in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. It's been like blue skies here. Far out. I haven't seen blue skies in years. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been blue and uh, black skies though because it, yes. like my state has been on fire while you've been here. 
Yes. Which uh, has not been great. No, but I would like to point out... You've had nothing to do with it. I came after Little to do with it. Oh, yeah, the fires had already started. <laughs> yes. You came up to not lend a hand. That's right, but moral support. <laughs> I've been sending a lot of good vibes right. from Four Clues. <laughs> I mean, it is very... I mean, it's 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 kind of like it's so tragic and there's been so many debates in our society that have yeah. come out of this about people, whether, you know, some people have like talked about the effects of climate change, you know, on these sort of things and... Like, I've spoken about this before, but we're the luckiest of all generations seeing so many once-in-a-lifetime weather events. It's great. In our lifetimes. <laughs> I've seen, like, 50. Like... 50 once-in-a-lifetime weather events. Right. It's brilliant. Like the Black Plague. How many times did it happen? Once. Once. <laughs> Wipe people out. Because yeah. they weren't fucking as hard as us. Right. <laughs> Whereas we're going to see heaps. We're just like, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we want our entire planet to be like the Avengers. You call it a Black Plague, I call it Thursday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I, I see your black flag and I, I tell you what, it won't fucking last because we're burning down half the fucking joint on Wednesday. Yeah. So whatever. Take it. No rats to fucking spread it because they're all fucking fried because yeah, half the state is on fire. Yeah, I don't exactly. mean to make light of that, by the way, because no. I'm genuinely worried about those people. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, every year it is, uh, it's, it, you, you get nervous leading into summer. Right. You know, uh, do you, do you remember have feeling that as a as a kid? But because in uh, Adelaide, where I grew up, you know, the hottest state and uh, the hottest country, yeah, uh, we would have that uh, kind of stuff going on in our advertising when I was young. But it, was it prevalent here in uh, Melbourne and Sydney? I don't. Th- oh, oh shit! Fuck! Oh, shit! D- fuck! Ramona. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't have let her up on the table. <laughs> i got to be honest with you, it was probably a mistake. But she was on my lap and... <laughs> everything was fine. Everything was fine. She looked comfy. Yeah. Then, she, it, then there was a fucking Ramona started earthquake. Yes. If there's not enough natural disasters, Ramona... <laughs> there's been flooding on my side of the table. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Imagine if that's what everything was uh, started by. You know, the butterfly effect? Right. What happens if it was your dog? The Ramona effect. <laughs> yeah. And I found out that all the world's problems were all started by her. That little shake there just set off a mountainside in Uruguay. <laughs> I mean, she's a cute dog, though, uh, so I'd have to keep her. Yeah, you just wouldn't tell anyone. Right. <laughs> just keep it on the down low. <laughs> Every time it happens, you just feel really bad when you're watching the news. I would feel terrible. I would have to stop watching the news. Yes. <laughs> what? Will kind of dropped off with the political satire, didn't he? Had to stop watching the news. Had to stop watching the news. Why is that? Can't tell you. <laughs> He's doing a lot of stuff about how much he loves his dog now, though. So. <laughs> and a lot of material justifying if you love someone and they cause trouble and you still love them, there's nothing you can do about It'd it. Be, I'd be like that episode of The Twilight Zone, you know, where like they, the kid is controlling everything. You know, it's oh, that yes. famous episode. Yeah. And the parents are just fucking terrified of the child. Yeah. Because he can kill them at any stage. Right. And that's what I would be like with Ramona. I'd be like, well, I guess I'm on your side now. <laughs> Have another snack. Do you need an acolyte? <laughs> There's always got to be someone behind the throne, yeah, you know? Exactly. Even the devil needs a right-hand man. <laughs> what I'm saying is sleep on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, that episode of The Twilight Zone, you kind of look at the way people uh, are with their kids now and you wonder if they accidentally watched it and thought it was a documentary right. on how to raise children. Yeah. <laughs> it is one of those things now where people don't want to discipline their own children, which I... Look, you know, it's very easy for me to sit in judgment because I don't have any children. Right. And I understand once you have children, then basically if they're still alive at the end of the day, you fucking high five each other and just go, we are doing an excellent job. Right. 
But did my child get a tattoo today or become a stripper? No. Uh, no. Then I am an excellent parent. By the way, where are the nomination forms for Australian yeah. of the Year? Anyone listening who has a child that is uh, has a tattoo and is a stripper, I'm sure like they got into it for very different reasons than we implied. Then. Oh yeah. Like no. that, that was always their dream. Do you know what I mean? Like some people want to win gold for Australia. Some people want to uh, strip for pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess, like, you know. I don't know how many, and look, I might be wrong in saying this, and again, but I I don't know how many people that stripper is first choice. Right. This I is- feel like stripper is like something that when your first choice doesn't work out, yeah. you go, well, people seem to like to see me naked. Right. And I can dance. Right. That was the thing that always held me back when I was younger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I just wasn't confident enough about the dancing. Right. Were you ever a streaker? I don't think you would have been. No, dear God, no. I don't even like to take my clothes off in my own house. <laughs> With no one around. The other day I wanted to weigh myself and the scales are out there here in the back office and I'd already taken off my clothes in the house and all I have to do is walk in my own yard yeah. from the house out to the office right. because I want to take the clothes off again. Like, you know, I need to be naked to weigh myself yes. to see how much I weigh. Yeah. Right. And... Uh, I put on clothes from the fucking bathroom to yeah. walk out here to the office and then took them off again to weigh myself. Yeah. That's how much I hate, I hate being naked. You're also pretty famous in Australia. That would be a moment when the paparazzi would pop out of Ramona's arsehole and take a photo. The paparazzi. <laughs> the paparazzi. The ones who hide in dogs. <laughs> Tiny little paparazzi. <laughs> I get angry at them as well, but they're so adorable. <laughs> Have you ever seen a paparazzi with a cape? It's amazing. <laughs> Stumbled out of a nightclub one night. I was drinking some booze from around the deck of a St. Bernard and suddenly like 18 paparazzi popped out of it. Those things are fucking massive. Yeah. It's like a clown car. <laughs> Little fucking tiny dogs with cameras. News hounds. Uh, Fire up the St. Bernard. Right. Ando's made another mistake. <laughs> Pictures of the Daily Telegraph tomorrow. Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. What did you do about the weighing? Did you like think I'll put on like some pants? Well, I just put on some pants. Yeah, right. I put on pants. You have a you have a, like not next door, but the one over there's double story there. They'd be able to look in. It's true. Yeah. So I don't technically neither of those houses are meant to be able to see into our backyard. Right. According Which, to the plans we agreed to with the council. Right. But I've been but, looking at yeah, them quite easily. Yeah, no, no. They, can, they, they can definitely buy seat into our backyard. <laughs> yes. Something went wrong with those plans that I don't understand. Yes. But they can definitely both, which really fucking, yep. to be honest, has put pay to a lot of the fantasies I have about people lounging around naked in my backyard. Right. People who are not me. Yes. But I always thought, you know, I've got a pool. Yep. It's a nice backyard. It's a great backyard. People should lounge around naked. Right. Well, almost naked, right? Yeah, mainly naked. But those fucking two stories next door was, is really putting that off, I believe. By the way, this is non-gender specific. I don't want people thinking we're uh, encouraging just, you know, naked ladies. I don't know why you feel like you keep having to make all these... I don't want to offend people who let their kids get tattooed or become strippers. I don't want people to think that this is men or women. It's fine, mate. This is a safe space. <laughs> is it, it can be whatever we want it to be. But I have to go back to Melbourne. <laughs> right, <laughs> you do. Yeah. Right, sure. <laughs> I'm preparing. Right, well, <laughs> when I talk like this with other people and they start to get a little bit, you know, what are you talking about? Well, just Am fucking I? keep that in Melbourne, mate. Once you go across the border, fucking get, readjust your watch <laughs> and just fucking get back in there. But right now, we're not fucking in Melbourne. We can right. talk about things the way we want to talk about them. Oh, well, I feel much more comfortable now. I do hate that. I, I mean, I love Melbourne. Melbourne's yeah. like, you know, probably my 
I mean, you know, I, I still like people always still think I'm a Melbourne person because obviously, like, I love Australian rules football and yeah. I started doing comedy in Melbourne. And Melbourne is certainly my biggest audience insofar as my comedy. Like, more people come and see me do comedy in Melbourne. So, right. It's, you know, like, it certainly feels like it has a very special place in my sort of. You know, I like coffee. I wear black all the time. Yeah. I'm very Melbourne. You are extremely <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> That's why Whereas I don't like to take my shirt off in public. Right. I am definitely not Sydney. You are definitely not Sydney. Right. My God, that guy that ran past us today. My God, there was like, a guy who looked like Superman had had a big weekend. Like he was pretty like, do you know what I mean? Like it was like hungover <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Like he had a good rig. Yeah. And he kind of... Like he had a super manny look, really yeah. big, and like that kind of super manny hair and stuff. He kind of looked like he didn't belong, just right. a little bit. Do you oh, know yeah, what I mean? definitely. Yeah, like he came from somewhere better. And he he lumbered out right. of his house, <laughs> yes. and I thought, oh, he's going for a jog. You know, big man going for a jog, and then he just did a lap of the fucking block. Yeah, and was just like sweating. a five minute jog. Yeah, like we nearly had a heart attack just walking up that mild incline. <laughs> we had eaten a lot for lunch <laughs> slash breakfast <laughs> slash at the pub. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like that's our fault. Everyone listening, uh, crispy potatoes are not necessarily a, a heart starter for the day. Oh my god, that was so tasty! <laughs> uh, to, uh, here's another tip: uh, even though something off the menu at the pub is called a superfood salad, right? That does not cancel out the fries and aioli that you ate with at the same time. Uh, can you prove that it doesn't? Well. <laughs> How I'm feeling proves it. Right. Okay. Well. I feel like the superfood is losing the battle. <laughs> I feel like the fries and aioli have fucking won this one. <laughs> yeah, right. And the superfoods are like, we're not that super. Yeah. Turns out our kryptonite is aioli. <laughs> yeah. Who would have known that mayonnaise and garlic mixed together? <laughs> right. You've got a, your guts is metropolis at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Oh, there's a battle going on. But then when that guy ran past us, uh, like when we, when he first ran past us, I was like, oh God, he's so fit. And then when he ran past us the second time, I was actually angry for a moment. Why? Just because I don't need to see that again. Because yeah. it's unfair. And I was wheezing. Right. <laughs> and it's a bad look. Like if you're wheezing, you just don't want to have to look at something that makes you uh, physically see what you're not. Yeah, but you know what? I wasn't that impressed by him. He looked like he wasn't in the, the greatest shape of all time. Like he actually, as in like he looked like a massive rig. Right. But he was had one, he jogged like halfway around one tiny little block and he looked fucking buggered. Yeah. Well, I, I was, you know looking, what I mean? I was looking through blurry vision though. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he still. You I were had, about to die. So I all had, you saw was a tunnel and some light and him coming towards you. I had the Doris Day camera right. on. <laughs> he looked amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. I understand that. You were like, oh my god, he's going to have to give me mouth to mouth. Yes. I'm not. And I'm getting used to it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have I have I told you? Oh, I haven't told you this. I I think I've come up with. Uh, an idea that could revolutionise the AFL. Oh, yeah? What's that? Okay, so here we go. So players are getting older. <laughs> also, I love this already. That like, <laughs> like, while you like AFL, I wouldn't say you're the world's biggest AFL fan, no, like but you've you just know. been doing some independent thinking outside the square and just gone, guys, this is how you can revolutionise the greatest game on earth. Yeah, this is going to make it a little bit better and it's going to prolong some careers. And so basically, you know, the great thing about sport yep. is the stories that go with it. Uh-huh. You can't, you can't. That's why watching two teams that don't really have any history in any sport or players playing something like you might. I love tennis, but if it's number 128 in the world and 137 and I don't know any backstory, I don't give a fuck about that game. So you don't really like tennis. No, I do. You like 
tennis stories. I like, uh, yeah. I and like tennis is a, a part of the tennis stories that helps you understand the stories more. Right. I often think that I watch so much AFL because I'll try to watch, when I'm back in Australia, I'll watch every game every weekend. Right. And mostly that's just because, so I can fully enjoy all the football shows I watch and listen to during the week. <laughs> right. Which is the ongoing story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no, no, I understand that. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I've got to get across the footy so that I can take part in the debate during the week and, you know, all the stories and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so, I no, see, I get that. And if I see someone getting angry about something I don't understand, how am I meant to join in with the anger or go, ah, oh, dude, you're overreacting. Right. Right. So, uh, we now have players that are getting older and, uh-huh. you know, they want to bring in the young kids, etc. Yes. Now, uh, AFL has borrowed things from other sports and one of the best inventions in any sport, I reckon, is in the basketball, which is the sixth man of the year award, uh-huh. which is awarded to the person who comes off first off the bench and has a big impact on the yes. team. So, I plan on introducing, when I take over, yeah. uh, interchange player of... The year, and it's a, it's a it goes to a very specific player who only ever comes on somewhere around consistently in the third quarter, and has a big impact on the game, which would extend the careers of people like an Alan Didac or Paul Chapman, who be, could become interchange specialists. And if there's an award, that gives it some prestige. So then, assholes want to win it, and therefore you have added something new to the game. Um, I don't mean to disappoint you. Oh, what? I've thought about this a couple of times. It feels foolproof. Well, the thing is that that already really happens. Like, because the only interchange player there is that goes on in the third quarter is the emergency. Like, because right. the way the interchange is used now, with the, the, the teams are having like 120 interchanges a game. Right. Like, people just, like, sometimes your best player starts on the interchange and is on there for 30 seconds and gets onto the ground. So, right. there's no way that anyone's ever lasting that long. The only place where some teams have been using, and in fact, Alan Didak's a good example, right. they used him as the emergency, the sub. Yeah, you know, in the, well, not the emergency, yeah, the super sub or whatever they you know, call it. Yeah, who's the one who comes in if someone else is injured? Right. So they are technically already doing that. They don't have an award for it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Bring in the award. But that would mean that they could only then use that style of player because the problem is that clearly you want to like you know the sub normally is the way they'll use someone coming back from injury or something like that to give them a couple of quarters. Right. You know, before they get back into you know playing the whole game. Right. So you. Like, I just don't think that you get... <laughs> Reminder of Grace with I was about to say, look, there's two against one and this the is The paparazzi. <laughs> the paparazzi are furious. Being attacked by the paparazzi. Are you rubbing your ear on the ground? And I'd just like to say, anyone listening to this in Mexico, go towards a, a comfortable and strong side. <laughs> Ramona's rubbing her ear on the ground. Who knows where this is going to end up? Right. <laughs> I'm feeling it might be Mexico. Where are you destroying? <laughs> Where are you destroying? You're a naughty girl destroying the world. Oh, you're so cute. Do you want a treat? <laughs> I feel like you're auditioning for a Despicable Me Part 3. <laughs> um, I think it's impractical, but I do... I mean, I, don't, I, I kind of like the... I, I like the philosophy of what you're saying, but I just yeah. think in today's game there's no particular role or need for those older players like it's one of those games where people aren't um getting out of the game because they can't run out four quarters right people are getting out of the game because of the speed of the game and the toll on your body and that's why older players aren't playing right brisbane used simon black people love when we talk about afl yes particularly people from overseas that's all right but simon black who won a a a brown low medal yes he um in the last season, because he was a bit injured, was used as a super sub a lot of times. But yeah. 
It's just not a permanent position. There's no value to a team to have like a specialist sub. Yeah. That's right. the only problem. Uh, that, you know, A, you're inventing something they don't really need. Yeah. And B, then giving that person an award. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to I make feel people like, feel better. I feel like some of the other players who like have worked hard enough to actually play four quarters and be in the team right. might go, fuck that guy and his award. Yeah. I'll play slightly less well yes. than this so I can be that guy yeah. and win a fucking award at the end of the year rather than being the 19th best player in my team. All right. He, I've got this other award that goes along with it. It's the best two and a half quarters player. <laughs> Who consistently gets taken off. Why do you want to reward mediocrity? That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) I just want everyone to be happy. (laughs) Doesn't everyone deserve a Everyone deserves an award. Ramona, sit. 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 (laughs) Sit. (laughs) Sit. Don't do this into the mic. People are going to realise how shit else you are, right? Ramona, sit. Good girl. Come here. Oh, he's gone. He's a uh, he's a, he's a ninja when it comes to this. Like not many people know this about Will, but um, when he tells a dog to sit down, that dog sometimes will look at him. Uh, not necessarily always look in his general direction, but sometimes will make eye contact with him. And even now and again, he will actually get that dog to sit, and it uh, it usually feels good. It's it's a good moment. He gets a little confidence boost from it as well. She sat right. <laughs> There may be tornadoes in middle America. <laughs> we are so sorry. Um, we don't know. It's the Ramona effect. Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> hey, uh, can I tell you something about animals? i got a little uh, article here from the newspaper, Justin. Mm. Uh, and uh, zookeepers have long suspected it. And now they have some science to back it up. What do you think that would be? What have zookeepers long suspected and now have science to back up? Uh... My first thought was that people definitely break in to tip over the cows, but you don't really get cows in zoos, do you? No. No. That's a shit zoo. <laughs> and that guy was a, it's a cow. And a shit zoo. A literal shit zoo. <laughs> You're patting it. Suddenly all these photographers come out of its ass. You're like, oh no, the paparazzi. <laughs> Everywhere I go. I'm not even sure I know what I've done to deserve this. Well, we suspect your dog just killed people in Greenland. <laughs> Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> oh, Ramona. She's so cute. <laughs> uh, what would have, uh, zookeepers have long suspected something that they now... Have the science to back up. Right. Uh, that it has to, maybe is it, is it something to do with monkeys and their predilection for flinging poo? Is there something to do with that? Nope. Right? Uh, I can't even really think what's in a zoo. Okay. All I can picture for some reason is Matt Damon and Scarlett Johansson. Right. <laughs> and I think they only bought it. Yeah, they bought it, but then they ran it. Oh, right. Well, okay. he bought it. Yes. And then uh, he fell in love with her because she was one of the people who uh, worked New at York. the zoo. Oh, right. Yes. And also because she saved New York yes. and he really loved the Avengers. Right. He saw it on the plane on the way down to buy the zoo. <laughs> Thought, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds that the Black Widow would own this uh, zoo? Uh, so, yeah, he, he went down there and he bought the zoo with his family. Right. And then he fell in love with Scarlett Johansson because she yeah. helped him run the zoo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be a good reason to fall in love. For someone who is not in love, if I bought a zoo and yep. I met someone who was <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yes, that would be a good reason. That would be a good reason. Hang on. Or if you were doing anything and you met someone who was if Scarlett Johansson. If I ran a Johansson, bar. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good reason. Remind if, us. If I, uh, 
if I started a tax agency and that was my uh, general manager. Anyway, I love Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't think. What uh, <laughs> Ramona's back on the lap. <laughs> Ramona is back on the lap. And <laughs> we're picking up the water. <laughs> uh, and I can't say no to her. <laughs> She's a destroyer of worlds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to keep on a good side. <laughs> you definitely do. She's my Lannister. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> and I'm her eunuch. <laughs> Right. It's good to good to know the boundaries. Um, so uh, it's elephant related. Oh, if that right. Helps. What, Some, what's happened to the elephants that they've long suspected, but now they have the science to back up? Uh, they have really good memories. Yes. And therefore would be really good at Connect Four. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm good with the memories bit. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, here's, what, here's what the story is. America's zoo elephants have become fat. Oh, really? Yeah. America, not only the fattest country in the world, yeah. fattest elephants as well. Wow. Well done, America. Well played. <laughs> Apparently, they're just serving them burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, a, to, I'll get a cheese peanut. Would you like fries with that? Uh, this is the former director of the Toledo Zoo. This is what she says. Uh, look what percentage of the US population is currently obese. Are we surprised that we're feeding our elephants a little too as well? A little too well? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that is actually. Well, what's the logic of that? <laughs> yeah. Those two things aren't connected at all. <laughs> Not at all. Are they fattening up the animals so you look thin compared to them? Is that what they think it is? <laughs> Maybe they'll be the, the zookeeper's put on a little bit of a paunch and he's like, as long as I make all the animals bigger, yes. no one will notice that I put on weight. Uh, and in the, <laughs> the irony of that is he'd lose weight feeding the animals so often. <laughs> like he'd be doing so many rounds. Yeah. So apparently the ele- elephants are fat. They've just done a study. Of American elephants, 255 elephants in 70 zoos. Right. Uh, Carl Carl Moorfeld, uh, a postdoctoral scholar at the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute, told the Association of Zoos and Aquariums annual conference last month in Kansas City, it started by looking at a lot of elephant butts. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any more to that sentence or is that double T? (laughs) And then things got interesting. Waka, waka, wah, wah. Could you imagine that being your job, that you're just working, and then one day you look and you, you think, hey, what is going on with Gladys? She's starting to spread. And then someone says, that's a bit sexist. And no, I'm talking about the elephant. Right? Right. Right. But that's your job, that you would notice things. But imagine things. if you're an elephant as well, and you've got all these people suddenly like checking out your ass. Right. And you're like, like does my bum look big in this? <laughs> Like, why? I'm an elephant. I'm meant to be fucking big. Why are you staring at my ass? So I got a little drunk in my trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, what a journey. It was worth it. It was completely worth it. You know the... (laughs) Drunk in my (laughs) trunk. (laughs) At that point, the paparazzi pump out. (laughs) (laughs) And I made another joke. The worst the dingo thing- goes by, some paparazzi out of... Oh, dingoes as well? Yes. They're not even really technically dogs, are they? <laughs> that is brutal. With You know, they also, if you're an elephant, you have a good memory, which I brought yes, up earlier in the podcast. Yep. And if you got hit with that kind of uh, negativity... Right. You're never going to forget it. You're not going to let it go. Right. Right. Suddenly you're going to develop an eating disorder. Yeah. You know, you're going to get paranoid about your weight. Yes. You know... 
so mix a lot won't be interested in you no like i mean there's a lot of downsides <laughs> that it would that would be devastating that you know could you imagine living in a world where you know for for fact that sir mix a lot doesn't rate you i would love to live in a world if i mean maybe someone's done this before but i think this would be a funny idea uh is to get sir mix a lot and put him on a lie detector oh right and see if he does indeed like, like big, big butts, butts. Because <laughs> it would just be great if you got him on the lie detector. You're asking, are you actually a sir? No, no, I'm not really a sir. Do you actually like big butts? Right. Yes. Bzzz. Ah, a lot. <laughs> and then that goes, <laughs> you just find out his name's Gary. It's <laughs> not even his real name. <laughs> Where do the lies end? Yeah. <laughs> <Were you, laughs> do you remember that song when it first came out? Do you remember it? Like you were that. Like oh, it yeah, was yeah. right at our demographic when that when that yeah. popped on the screen, and it was honestly the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I loved it when it first came out. <laughs> She's snoring now. She is. <laughs> I keep telling you, I'm more than happy to lend her there's my sleep plague, apnea device. There's now a plague of locusts in Ethiopia. Unfortunately, <laughs> I apologise to those people. I was so I'll sorry. give more to the Oxfam Gala next year. <laughs> Just don't take Just the dog. Don't take her away. <laughs> I love her. So I much. love her. <laughs> I'm like one of those women who loves prisoners. Oh, yes. Someone who falls in love with a serial killer. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait to see this turn into a movie. It's got movie written all over it. Oh. Who would you have play you? Who would you ideally have play you? And who do you fear would play you? Uh, ideally, uh, to play me. So, is it, it's, it, it, it's, no, it's not really a comedy, is it? It's like a... Oh, no, it's a drama. Yeah, it's a drama. Yeah. So, it's kind of... High concept drama, too. Yeah. Well, it's got to be someone who's age-appropriate for me. Yeah. Um, oh, Crispin Glover? Crispin Glover? Yeah. That's I. That's ideally who you would like. Yeah. Right. Because I think that he would do a kind of cool, fucked up... I wouldn't have to change my hair. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. It was no. either him or Hitler, and he seems like a nicer option. <laughs> Much nicer option. To get option. the hair right. Yeah. I suppose I could have chosen another actor and got him to do the hair, but... Yes. I feel like I'm going to go on a hair-based casting. Hitler... I fear that they would get Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I... <laughs> and Owen Wilson would voice the dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> Introducing Owen Wilson as Ramona. <laughs> oh, Ramona. I Ideally, I would get Jason Alexander. Oh, yeah. And I fear they'd get Jason Alexander. <laughs> Because I know he'd be perfect, and that's he what I fear. would be perfect. <laughs> I need to point out that if no one's ever seen me before, I, I used to be quite tall and have perfect eyesight, but through the sheer willpower of... Willpower. Willpower. One L. True willpower. One L. Trademark. <laughs> I have slowly diminished over the last past decade. Because you told me that you want me to be your uh, Jason Alexander, or more importantly, uh, Costanza. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to be Jason Alexander. No. I've got, I've got no I, no interest in you touring Australia with an improv troupe. You don't want to hear any song tunes? I don't care. <laughs> don't care. Don't care about your lavish Broadway past. I want you to be George Costanza. Yes, and it's been happening. Because he's the most amusing character in the history of comedy. <laughs> right. And I would love to hang out with George Costanza. And you know what? Sometimes You've you You've got do. some Costanza. <laughs> You've got some Costanza in you. You got some Costanza DNA. There was plots. That's why you hated that. I mean, you hate. Well, not hate it. No, you, no, no. Weren't interested in Seinfeld for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And I think part of the reason was that... I couldn't understand why they were laughing at that documentary. 
Why is everyone laughing at that guy? Fuck, man, he is right. This is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, there would be times I would be watching that show and they'd just go, this is a storyline out of Justin's life. <laughs> yes. Like the way you would get obsessed with weird things or whatever. I was like, oh my God, you're like young Costanza. When they do a gritty- <laughs> Young Costanza. Oh my God. Okay, now that's the new show. Young yeah. Justin Hamilton is- Young Costanza. Young Costanza. Yeah. Down Under. Down Under. <laughs> young I've, Costanza I've, I've Down Under. I've come over as a student exchange kid with- No, a, no, no. No? No. George Costanza I in am, a missing uh, Seinfeld episode- Right. Had sex with an Australian girl. Oh, right. Right. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, she's come back to Australia. Yeah. Had you. You've grown up- in yes. Australia, yes. Surprisingly, weirdly enough, only about five years younger than he is. <laughs> right, he got in young. <laughs> kind you can, of flies against everything. You can play younger with. than your own age. It'd Trust be me, I'm you pretty mature. Younger. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, you're young George, young yes. George Costanza, down under, down under. Yeah, my God, who uh, do do I have uh, young versions of Seinfeld and that around me? Or, I mean, technically, or more like there a, would be no way that that would practically happen but right. it's a TV show yeah. so yes there'd be characters I feel like that's what people want to see yeah there'd be people that would remind you who would be the young because if I've got Costanza in my genes I would therefore uh, gravitate towards hanging out with a comedian right so who would be the comedian well I, th- I think we flick the roles right because right. you got to give it a spin you got to give it a twist okay so it's a good looking unlucky in love female comedian right who's your best friend right so like oh Jerry G E R I Jerry, and we get Jerry Hallowell. Right. <laughs> Bring a bit of spice to it, <laughs> girls. <laughs> Look, <laughs> She'll it be was in. a bit risky to cast an un- unknown. And when I say unknown, unknown to American audiences, right? Uh, Australian stand-up comedian as young George Costanza, one yep. of the most beloved characters in history. Yeah, but as young Jerry Seinfeld, yes. We've cast Jerry Halliwell from the Spice Girls. How do you feel about that? It's <laughs> great. Okay, it's across the line. <laughs> it wouldn't get it across the line. Who would be... So, would Elaine be Elaine? So, Elaine would be Alan. Alan? Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, Alan would be like, you know, the kind of... He works in a you know, a series of jobs. Right. You know, he's a... You know, like he has the sort of, you know, Elaine-type role. Right. Him and uh, Jerry used to date. Yes. And, you know, at the start, you're like, oh, maybe they would be good together. After the third episode, we have to stop uh, Alan from punching Elaine because it worked as a dynamic. Right. (laughs) Jerry, do you know what I mean? But now we've kept it. And then after the third episode, we go, this is not skewing properly. Right. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Kramer would be uh, Yahoo Serious. As karma. <laughs> yeah, he's serious as karma. He's a guy from Nimbin and he's come down to hang out with young George Costanza. That means we, I mean it's we, all big I mean it's all big hair and physical comedy. I'm sure yeah. that Yahoo Serious at some stage looked at Seinfeld. Yes. And again, much like you went, Why are they laughing at this documentary? <laughs> this is what is happening. This is my life. This is my life. Would you like to see uh would you like to see a, a serious reboot of a Yahoo Serious franchise like would you like to see a gritty reboot of young einstein isn't that just the story of einstein all right you've got me on a technicality <laughs> what about reckless kelly <laughs> no <laughs> so many stumbling blocks with these gritty i reboots. so wish that i'd had this idea when <laughs> so 
People have heard me tell this story before, but uh, quite famously, as everybody knows, uh, I love Heath Ledger as the Joker in the Batman movies and uh, in the Batman movie, and I thought he was amazing. Right. Amazing. Uh, And people who've listened to the podcast regularly, new listeners, welcome. People who've listened before will know that I also, when I was on radio many years ago when he was promoting the film Ned Kelly, had a on-air run-in with Heath Ledger. Right. When um, he was being unresponsive to an interview they had begged us to get him in for right. and we were trying our best to do the right thing we weren't trying to be mean spirited and eventually he was giving us nothing right. and I asked him the question uh, do you think that Ned Kelly was so angry because oh, he said I want to get to the heart of Ned Kelly's anger right. that's what he said right. and I said did you ever consider he was so angry because he had really bad hat hair <laughs> He wore a metal helmet on his head. I thought right. that was a funny joke. It's breakfast Not radio. hilarious, but no. like enough. But Throw me a fucking bone. You, when Heath, when right? you're getting nothing, right. you, 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 you're swinging for the fences. But I wish, in retrospect, I'd also had up my sleeve. So this is like a gritty reboot of Reckless Kelly, right? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Can you imagine? So you- Can you imagine looking at serious Heath Ledger in the face and just saying, so this is like... Uh, like a serious take on Reckless Kelly? Is that what? Oh my God. So that's the first thing you'd do if you had a time machine? Yes. Go back. <laughs> By the way, you're going to be great in Batman. Yeah. Can't explain it. Don't want to fuck up the time continuum. Yeah, yeah. That's all I have to say. I consulted Dr. Carl, Krusen Hitsky, and he told me, just don't tell him about the Dark Knight. Oh, shit, I've said it. Oh, no. <laughs> Turn around. There's Dr. Carl in his gold jacket saying, Will, you fucked it. <laughs> It's just dancing on the spot. Oh, my Lord. That that um, uh, Young Einstein, have you ever watched it again? No. No, that's good. Because like, I really loved it as a kid and it was like, and it had a great soundtrack. had a lot of great Aussie bands on it. Uh, Mental as Anything were the house band. Weren't they the one yeah. who played at the farm? Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, my Lord. It's got uh, Men at Work. It's got everything. It's, right. it's, it's a great soundtrack. I, re- I recommend if you're going to uh, re-watch the film, listen to the soundtrack and then just imagine what you think the film might have been and it'll be heaps better. And it's disappointing. I have spoken, I think, before on this show about the idea of if I was ever going to do a gritty reboot, I think the one that you actually really could do a fantastic gritty reboot of is Crocodile Dundee. Right. Because that story, particularly if you look at the first Crocodile Dundee film, it's not a um, like straight comedy. No. It's a kind of fish-out-of-water adventure through the outback. Like, you know, there's some real shit that goes on there. Yeah. And you could do young uh, Mick Dundee. The Mick Dundee before you meet him in Crocodile Dundee, ah, right? Yep. In the Australian outback, see the influences of, like, the Aboriginal culture – how he learnt, learnt to hunt. Yeah. How he, like, you know, in a very sort of like, you know, Batman Begins sort of way. Yes. You see young Mick and whatever tragedy, because it's never really explained what Mick Dundee's thing is. But right. he has no family. Yeah. And he lives in the middle of the, like, people who live in that part of Australia are either normally born there. Yep. And raised there. Yep. Or they are there because they're running away from something. Right. Right. And he could be all of them. Either he could be or. The, he could any be the of product those of people running away. Right. Totally. Completely right? displaced. But becomes at one with the land. Right, becomes at one with the land. Yeah. Befriends the Aboriginals, which is clearly like from the Crocodile Dundee movies that you've seen. Right. Like, you know, he has a real intricate relationship with the local people. So you could see him learning how to like, you know, be a white man in a yes. like black man's world and kind of being at one with the land and having like a series of genuine adventures. Like, you know, yes. like really kind of cool 
action movies with comedy rather than comedy movies. Yeah. Could you imagine like he's a young guy, he gets into a fight in a bar in the outback, he takes out a whole lot of them, the cops turn up, they say, uh, we're taking you away, why? Uh, I don't need protection, no, them. And then they take him to, uh, you know, jail and then uh, uh, David Gulpalil appears and he says, uh, are you so lost, Mick, that you need to fight people in the pub? And it goes from there. Yeah, I can imagine that, that all would be good. you'd have really great little jokes. Like, you know, you could see him as a child, you know, because, um, you know, there's that famous scene with the, like the warthog or whatever it is that yes. he, like, you know, makes, you know, <laughs> sit down. But he could be like, you know, you could see him practicing that and learning how to do it with a kitten. <laughs> On Ramona. Can you imagine? Trying to stop Ramona. I, I've got Ramona in the film. <laughs> What no uh, one knows is you're actually trying to stop. Paul Hogan, it's Will Anderson uh, from Australia. Look, I've got a great idea. I know that you've just got divorced from Linda Kol- Kozlowski. Yes. And uh, you probably need a bit extra cash. I've got a gritty reboot idea uh, for uh, Crocodile Dundee. Only one condition. My dog needs to be in the film. Yes, in the flashback scenes. I'm willing to compromise. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you tell that through a series yeah. of flashbacks, you know. Can you imagine the jokes you could have? Like, I mean, even the sort of that's not a knife, this is a knife yeah. thing could be a great sort of, you know, childhood sort of, you know, there's a few jokes there, that iconic lines that you could easily mirror and set up and that sort of thing. You know what? There's a, there's a, there's a moment when he's remembering a good time with his dad and they're sitting there and they're talking, they're about to have some yogurt and the dad says, do you have a spoon? And he says, I have a spoon. And his dad pulls out a big spoon and says, that's not a spoon. <laughs> You go, oh, that's where you got the idea for the knife. Right. You'd be really excited. You would be excited about that, right? Yes. So um, I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about who should uh, play the young Paul Hogan. Oh. Um, uh, So, oh, well, the young Mick Dundee, sorry, is more the point. I know who I want for this role, but I'd love you to, you can speculate first if you'd like. Matt, uh, hang on, how young are they? I'm going to say mid-20s to 30. Like, you know, it's kind of, I want it to be... Sort of, I guess it's meant to be about ten years before the um, the first movie, the okay. Crocodile Dundee movie we see. I, I don't know what his role would be at this point. I'd like to have Clawson in there somewhere. Right. I think he'd be good. <laughs> okay, do you know what I mean? Like, I, think- I understand, but I've already fucking wedged the dog in. Right, I reckon we can get Clawson in. Right, but. What I'm saying is, it's Ramona then Clawson in that order, without a doubt. I mean, Charlie left the fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, see, he, he would be here with ownership rights to this if he was talking right now. But right. actually, he and I have talked about this before. So <laughs> Charlie, Charlie should get a part. <laughs> yeah. We'll get Charlie. We'll, a part. we'll get a part. Yeah. Uh, what about Ryan Quanton? Ryan Quanton, but yeah. you're in the zone. You've you've kind of got the zone of where I'm going. Right. So good choice, not quite Australian actor. Has to be an Australian actor. Yeah, but has to be an Australian actor who's got some Hollywood. Uh, credentials, credentials, right? Someone who can play an action hero, but also spirituality and be in touch with the land. Perhaps somebody who grew up living in Darwin and in the Northern Territory before, and lived there, uh, working with the Aboriginal people. And his parents work with Aboriginal and Indigenous people still, and so he actually has that story in his own past and can bring some of that to the role. I feel like you're leading me somewhere I can't find. No, I don't think you would necessarily know this thing. Oh, about good. Them, but, but these are all things that are true about this person. Right. I had a moment of panic of thinking, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. So it couldn't be Chris Hemsworth. He's too big. Do you own? No, no, no. Chris Hemsworth. That's oh, Chris Hemsworth. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to, like, I mean, we don't have to actually think that this guy will eventually be Paul Hogan. Right. Right? Well, we it's get a older. reboot. 
Yeah, yes, you know. yeah, yes, exactly. Right? I don't think Freddie Highmore is necessarily going to turn into Anthony Perkins. No. Right. We're, and we're doing it as a more action-y you know, yeah. thing. So you need a more action-y guy. I reckon Hemsworth is But good. he could definitely play a young Paul Hogan. Yeah. Like, he's got all the charm. He can do comedy. Yeah. He can do action. He's a big star now. Yeah. Like, he- it'd be a risky move for him. But he honestly, his parents grew up in that area and he spent yeah. part of his life there. He has a connection to it. Yeah. But how fucking weird is this? Well, it's probably not weird because he doesn't know about my plan to put him in this movie. But Chris Hemsworth just bought Paul Hogan's Malibu Mansion. Oh, shit. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah, that's that's a sign. So, like, they literally <laughs> are living in the same... Yes. But yes. Don't you think that's a sign that this should happen? I reckon I think we should is. actually do something with this. This is... I reckon this sounds good. And as you said, Hogan's is going through a tough time. Tough time. So... The rights might be up there. He might want another surprise hit. Yeah. Who who doesn't want some sweet-ass coin coming from and a couple of assholes? Like, here's the thing. Australians don't have... We always talk about that idea of, like, you know, we don't have our own superhero myth or, you know, a popular culture sort of... We've got you Mad know, Max. Right. Mad Max. Mad is Max. close to what we have. Yeah. And... It's but not me- really iconically Australian, as in like the character is not yes. really iconically Australian. No, no. Right? It doesn't say anything about us as like as people. It says something about us in the future. Right. But not now. That we'll become racist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, hang on. That's just Mel Gibson's life. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, it, is, it does Sorry. get confusing. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hemsworth. And, but uh, yeah, but Crocodile Dundee's our, our great story. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like... Mick Dundee, the fish out of water, the little Aussie bloke who went to New York and because of his wiles yeah. and his ways of doing things, yeah. he's able to outsmart everything else. Yeah. Because that's what he's kind of like. He's kind of half Sherlock Holmes, but like in a kind of you know, laid back Australian way. You know, yeah. he uses his, you know, some of his strengths and he can get in a fight and that sort of thing, but it's yeah. normally about tricking people out of it or you know, avoiding having to get into the fight. And I think Hemsworth could play the ass out of that. He could do a really good wry comment after he smacks someone out for treating a lady poorly. Right. Yes. He'd be really good. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's charming too, isn't he? Like he's really charming. It's like it's an easygoing charm. Yeah. Laid oh. back. And that's what it's got to be. But you've also yeah. got to be able to play a bit of torment because you'd want to bring in that sort of... Why is Mick alone when he's 50? Because that's a question that people, yeah. you know, well, I don't think he's meant to be 50 in the movie. No. But whatever stage of life he is, what tragedy happened, what, you know, what has brought him to be this there? This could be the thing we reveal. this person, right? Is it, is it, oh, I reckon it's big. It's movies, isn't it? It's not a series? I mean, you could do a series, but how the fuck are we going to get Hemsworth for a series? Right. HBO. Like, and it doesn't uh, work without Hemsworth. It's got to be something be that he believes in. Yeah. It's got to be one of those projects where you just go, this is the movie you were born to fucking make. What's the breakdown of the trilogy? So the first one, we get an origin and we have him in New York by the end of it? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. I think this all happens previous to... Like, it's like a prequel. Right. It's episode six, seven, eight, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. You know, like, one, whatever. two, three. Yeah, one, yeah, two, three. Yeah. yeah, sorry. It's one, two, three. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck. Six, seven, eight's the musical. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars are nice. <laughs> Six, seven, eight. Come on, Jar Jar. Jazz hands. <laughs> um, uh, Hemsworth is the key. Okay. I think that it's the three. Yeah. So you want at the end, because I think there's got to be a great love story. Yes. And at some stage, that person Who's, dies. Right. Because. Who do you pick? Who's, well, who's the actress? I haven't quite thought of how they die, but you want to give him time that by the time you meet 
Mick Dundee, yep. you know, the character in Crocodile Dundee, yep. that still makes sense. Yes. You know, as a universe. I don't want to destroy that story. No. I want to tell a story before that story. Yes. And much like a younger story, a younger, hipper, more modern story, yeah. it can just have a different feel and pace but still be of the same Crocodile Dundee DNA. Yeah. You know, whoever the... Dun w- DNA. Dun DNA. <laughs> You know, the- I'll use that in the pitch. Yes. It's got the same crocodile done DNA. <laughs> oh, he has thought this through. He has thought, he has this, thought this through. through. You know, uh, whoever the woman is and the, the tragedy that is going to befall her. Crocodile Dundee. That's not a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, people would love it. And then you'd see news reporters talking about it and it would come back and they go, this is a prequel. And you go, nah, that's the joke. Yeah. Why are you saying it? Fuck, yeah. that's why you read the news. <laughs> I'd be judging so many newsreaders. Whoever the woman is who is going to play the love that has the tragedy before her, I think it would be important that whatever tragedy does happen to her, it has to be something where she is being heroic. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's something where, you know, maybe there's a storm and the ox are getting loose and she's out there, like, holding up the... The, the last bit of the fence that's stopping the house from falling into the ravine. Like, I don't know why they built there next to that river. It was a terrible place to build, but that could be something that Mick kept saying from the first movie. I um, think it has to be something that he... like. I think the greatest stories are the ones where you lose like the love and you at least think that you could have yes. like, stopped it from happening. Right. So it has to be something where... Yeah, the cause of her destruction. It has to be him, you know, letting letting go the guy with the gun yep. who then uses that gun to yeah you know, right. shoot Spider Man's uncle. Right. No. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That's you always want to be that sort of thing of I'm I'm gonna throw a curveball to you. Yeah. Is this woman an older woman? I don't think so. Right. Because I think that the call I we we wanna keep Young and hip, mm. you know, and so later on yes. he falls in love with an American journalist, right. right? So maybe he likes someone who works at the local newspaper, you know, that them or there might be something about the media, yeah, were responsible for her. Oh, yes, so right. like something about he does something heroic, yes, and he. The publicity leads to whoever the bad person is being able to track her down. Right. And kill her. Yeah. And he feels that the fact that people knew him. Yes. And he was doing these heroic things oh. led to that. So he doesn't, he wants to be somewhere that the media can't find him and that he can never, right. you know, be close to someone again. Because if he does these things publicly, then. Yeah. You know, he's going to lose the ones closest to him. Yeah. Maybe in the first movie, it is something to do with a little gangster. And Maybe in hits- the first movie, you just get to bang a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like the idea of not setting up... Like the One of the problems with, you know, uh, the Batman films is that... It sets not enough up the- Bruce. Right. Yeah. Give him some time to just bang some random people first. Yeah. Well, we can still have that. But I'm thinking as the uh, bad guy for the first film it's like a local gangsters setting up a marijuana crop that is uh well i think uh, drugs in the middle of the i think that's not a bad idea yeah i can imagine that that's and he takes them out third film is the mafia coming back for what they did for what he did to little johnny yeah right and so could i i picture a scene with uh picture this blue sky red desert and then just start coming over the horizon men in black suits and with cars and it's uh with sunglasses and they're coming to get mick 
I mean, I do think that there is, and, and that it was something they explored a little bit, I, I guess it was in Crocodile Dundee too, uh, was that idea that, you know, I like him in his own environment ah. using Ramona. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Don't put your hand near him now. Oh, I didn't know what else that was, was a silly, <laughs> silly idea. I was trying to say people in Bangladesh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought if she put her energy into my knuckles, it would be better. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> does it? Does it? <laughs> what happened in the second one? Because um, they came back to Australia and there were some gangsters after them and he went out in the bush and used the fact that he was, yeah. you know, good at being in the bush to kind of fight yeah. these guys who are much more heavily armed than it, it than could, he was. So yes. I think I think there's a lot of that DNA you want to do, that sort of yeah. thing of like that he's good at fighting people, you know, like in gr- that world. A gritty version of like the end of Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. You know, covering himself in mud. Yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know, using that environment and the greater knowledge of that environment. Because people love a story too that, yeah. like, where, like, you know, people use their wiles and whatever to, to, you know. Yeah. Who do we get to do the soundtrack? Oh. It's important. I hadn't even thought about that yet. Because we're, we're really getting back into what Australian films used to do so well. So put all a lot of Australian music in it as well, you mean? Yeah. Interesting. We've got to have a bit of ice house with Great Southern Land. I just feel like we don't. No, no. I feel, as much as I like our ice house, yes. I feel like we've got to keep away from that era. It's all oh, okay. you know. It's a modern take on this story. Oh, sorry. Right? You know? so, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the the reboot is a is not necessarily a continuity reboot. It's it's a reboot. Oh, it's not general. set. No, it's not set in time. Right. It's like. Do you know what I mean like it's, yes? It's before that world, but it's right. not. But it's like set now. In the 1970s. Right. It's set now. Okay. Yeah. I was going back. Nah. Fuck that. Yeah. I, I had... don't want to do a period piece. No. No. I, I had Hemsworth with gel. No, this is heaps better. No, this is Wearing like... pastels. Yeah. No, he's, it's modern. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. I like it even more now. Yeah. I've been thinking about this with too much hair. <laughs> Ramona is now chewing on my thong, so sorry about those lightning strikes. In Alaska. She's got to learn how to control her powers. She needs to go to Professor X school for No, missions. you don't. You don't. You just do whatever you want. Oh, my God. You destroy it all. Imagine if she ended up in the next X-Men film. <laughs> oh, once I get her in Crocodile Dundee, it won't, no, it won't stop her. Yeah. <laughs> like a little girl who plays Lily in Modern Family. <laughs> She'll be everywhere. She'll be everywhere. <laughs> in fact, she's gunning for that job. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm pitching you something off the back of my success of my Crocodile Undy gritty reboot. Yes. Uh, we're replacing Lily from Modern Family with a dog. My God, I can't see. wait to see it reported on Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> There's going to be some pretty angry people. You know what the problem is, though? Once she's a celebrity. Yeah. She's carrying around her own paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare. She hasn't. Oh, this is terrible. What a terrible state. She hasn't thought it through at all. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some. Um, Hugo Weaving, I would love to see in this film. Yeah. As like a. What I is think- he? Is he? Is he a mentor or is he a? I feel like Hugo Weaving could be a great sort of mentor character mm-hmm. who you're never sure of where his allegiances lie and why he's really right. there. And maybe even 
it turns out that eventually, I like the idea of him feeling betrayed by those closest to him. Right. And maybe eventually it turns out that he had something to do with the death of his parents. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe he is. Like maybe the whole time you're like, maybe that is his dad. Right. Or maybe that's like, you know, there's that kind of, yeah. And, you know, look, we can work these stuff out when we start to, you know, make some choices. I mean, before we have a script for the first one, it's hard to plan exactly. But I like the idea of Hugo weaving as like a... Just a mysterious sort of, but like, you know, yep. he could do it. I reckon we drop, we do, uh, like, Why the Last Man? We drop about six plausible uh, right. origins in there, that what it could mean, and then we never answer it and we pull a Lindelof and let people decide which one they like. Fuck that. I'm a crowd pleaser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, JJ Abrams with your mystery box. How about this? Open it. Yeah, open it. <laughs> fucking tie off some knots, shall we? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know it's just going to be... It's some... Crocodile Dundee, mate. It's what, not fucking... What, what do you mean you don't know what's going to be in there? There'll be some fucking x-ray glasses. Right. Something. There'll some, be something in there. Some itchy powder. Yeah. Here's what'll be in there. Resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> A new fragrance by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I, just, I, I just don't know how I feel about this smell. <laughs> would be the ironic uh, comment made about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's it called, by the way? Is it just called Mick? I think originally that was genuinely the title that I was thinking of going with, was like Mick. But I wonder now if you need Crocodile Dundee in the name somewhere or... The Croc Hunter? Croc? No, that Croc's not good. No, that's Sounds implied like comfortable that you're going to wear yeah. <laughs> that's another. That's another. That's a series yeah. <laughs> about a guy who goes around beating up people wearing Crocs. Yeah. His name's Mick Dundee. Yep. Um, so it can't be like uh, Crocodile Dundee Begins or no, um, because Crocodile Dundee sounds a bit too comedy and old school, yes. doesn't it? Yeah, the man from Dundee, the man who hates crocodiles, <laughs> crocodile puncher, punching crocodiles. <laughs> Mick Dundee's story. <laughs> I'm just pitching here. <laughs> <laughs> young Mick Yahoo Serious is like That's my thing I make young versions oh, I was about to come back <laughs> This is uh, Imagine that Imagine if we stumped Yahoo Serious With our gritty reboot um, I would like to see maybe um, Oh god uh, Young Mick 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 Dundee It's a hard one isn't it that's not a knife. 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 No, uh, knife, knife sounds a bit slasher. Yeah. You know, you'll get, you'll get, we'll get sued like that woman who sued, sued the movie Drive for not enough driving. <laughs> we'll, we'll get sued for. <laughs> like, to say, like... like to say to everyone in South Africa, we apologise so for everything. <laughs> so sorry. Any polar bears listening? I'm sorry, you have nowhere left to live. <laughs> she's just dreaming. I mean, now she's she's, she's, she's on a roll. <laughs> my my God is a vengeful God. Yeah. Sorry, I have dyslexia. My dog is a vengeful dog. My dog is a vengeful God. <laughs> Uh, Justin Hamilton, 
where can people find you on the the internets, the World Wide Web? Uh, they can find me at my podcast, Can You Take This Photo, Please, which is pretty much uh, me interviewing comedians about their craft and how they do things in their history. Uh, they can read about me blogging uh, every gig that I do this year at justinhamilton.com.au. And if you would like to see me live in Melbourne, you can check me at The Shelf, tickets through the top in town. Or if you're in Sydney, a solo show in uh, November 29th, which you can get tickets for at the Comedy Store. Uh, by the time you hear this, I might still have some uh, trial shows left at the uh, Sydney Comedy Store. I've been doing these improv shows. When we're recording this, I've done two. Uh, they've both been completely different. Uh, they've been great too. And, and uh, uh, I say that as a fan. It, they've been awesome. Yeah, look, they've gone well so far. So tonight might be shit, but the, I've had two good ones. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. At this point in time, we are living in a right. world where they've been great. Yeah, they've been and, great so far. And what were your words? Maybe I'll never write another show again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally walked off stage last night. I'd had so much fun. I turned to Dionne and I said, Improvising's easy. Book Rod Laver Arena. <laughs> Put me in the round. (laughs) (laughs) There was that feeling. Like last night did go so well that there was part of me that said, why have I been wasting all my time writing fucking shows? Right. This is so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. The great thing about it is if you got bored with the show, it doesn't matter because it'd be a new show that night. Yeah, I know. Right. It's tiring though. Anyway, I'm going to talk about this on another podcast that I'll tell you about at another time. Um, I do have a new podcast. There's only one episode of it so far. It's called Willosophy. Uh, Todd Sampson was my first guest and... uh, People seem to be really enjoying that. Um, people have already been saying, who's on next? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know who's on second. Right. <laughs> Let's just do that whole routine to end the podcast. <laughs> I, uh... You'll be begging us to talk AFL again. <laughs> I mean, if you're stuck through the AFL talk, yes, it fucking paid off today. Well, without a doubt. If there was anyone who turned it off, oh, they're talking about AFL again. Yeah. Well, you fucking missed a Crocodile Dundee gritty reboot. So with, with Hemsworth. I'm not why, sure why I'm yelling at you because you're not listening to this either. No, but, th- these are the people that are listening. Oh, they were on our side the whole time. That's a good point. I love you guys. <laughs> uh, I have a new podcast called Willosophy with Todd Sampson. If you're listening from overseas, he's a guy who appears on my television show in Australia. He is a head of an advertising company in Australia, but also a really interesting dude who just did a documentary series called Redesign My Brain and has a crazily interesting life that I didn't know a lot about and we just have a chat mm. and that's what the podcast is. Some of it's funny, but it's not uh, necessarily meant to be funny. The, the, the idea of the podcast is that I'm going to talk to interesting people and ask them their philosophy or a thought that they have about life and then we just talk from there because I like the idea that we'll, uh, you know, get a compendium of interesting people and get to chat to them about yeah. what they think life's about. So that's what the podcast is. If you would like to check that out, uh, you can find me of course on Twitter, Will underscore Anderson. Uh, if you want to leave comments about uh, this podcast or anything to do with TOEFOP or FOFOP, the Facebook page is where I check the most for that sort of thing. If you've got quotes from the episodes, you want to tag on Tumblr or Twitter, tag them TOEFOP quotes and the cool people who look after each of those things uh, will post them up there. I'm always amused when they do that. It's fantastic. And somebody will also started at a Willosophy Quotes page. Yeah. Which is amazing, seeing that we've only done one episode. But right. I, but good on them. I appreciate that. By the way, if you're in Denmark and you just saw a typhoon, can you just keep it to yourself where it started? Right. <laughs> shh, shh. Keep it on the down low or she's coming after you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm in Denver, Colorado, if it still exists and Ramona hasn't <laughs> destroyed it by then. 
uh, for uh, Christmas and New Year's, uh, the big Christmas and New Year's show at Comedy Works in uh, Denver. So if you're there or in the area or know anyone who might be in that area who would like to come out and see those shows, that would be fantastic. And uh, when I get back to LA, I've got some shows uh, coming up around town, set list, and uh, one of the All Things Comedy shows at uh, Largo, which I'll give you more details about when I know about it. Uh, but there'll be a bunch of things around town. I'm basically going to get back to LA and just gig a lot. So if you're in that part of the world, then... Um, um, I'll, I'll let you know more about those gigs when I uh, get closer to them. Uh, oh, I should mention, sorry, I keep forgetting to mention these fucking gigs. Uh, Lindsay Webb and I are doing some gigs in uh, Queensland, North yeah. Queensland. Um, uh, I'll put the details on my website. I haven't actually promoted any of it yet because they're kind of not officially part of my tour. They're just, you know, another promoter who wanted to send us up and do yeah, some right. gigs. That'll be really fun, but yeah. I just don't have all the details to hand. But if you are in, I think, Bundaberg... Right. Uh, the Gold Coast right. and somewhere else up that way, I will be doing gigs. If you haven't there. seen Lindsay before, Brilliant. he's great. Brilliant. Yeah, and a lot of fun to t- uh, talk to afterwards. Yeah, and, and the people have, will know Lindsay from the podcast. So, um, And if you want to win him over, turn up with a block of coconut rough chocolate. He will be your friend forever. That's a fact. 